Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's going on, everybody? John Middlecoff, Three and Out Podcast, back again as we head into this uh, the second round of the playoffs. I think it's referred to as the divisional round. I'll call it the second round. And what a just a incredible week of storylines. I mean, the craziest part about this uh, week, and really, I mean, you'll, it'll be reflected in this podcast. Is like I'm not even going to get to the playoffs. The playoffs. Playoffs. Uh, as Jim Morris Sr. would say, uh, till later. I, I mean, way too much has happened the last, I don't know, 48 hours w- with coaching movement. And it, it just shows you in the NFL the power, uh, how famous coaches are in the other two major sports in the NBA and definitely Major League Baseball, how, how devalued they've come. Uh, and I have some thoughts, and we're going to dive in to just what happened over the last 48 hours, my thoughts on the hires, uh, Kyler Murray, and then we'll definitely, you know, the playoffs. Playoffs are, are this weekend, and uh, some, game, some of the games are outstanding. Actually, all of them are pretty good on paper. Uh, but but let's, and again, we'll end with the Middlecoff mailbag. You can always slide up my DMs, slide in my DMs, at John Middlecoff, and I'll answer your questions at the end of the podcast. But let's start with this, and I've been saying it for a while. General managers and coaches are not held to the same standard. In the industry of the NFL and pro football, uh, actually there's more pro leagues coming, but the only league that matters, the NFL, general managers are not on the same timeline as coaches. Now, coaches make double, triple what GMs make. So it's actually cheaper for owners to keep GMs. But one thing is very, very evident in the last, over this week, is that many GMs and franchised hire people, while the process and the and the thought process of why they hired them, I do believe is correct. In If you're doing a business right now, 
and you are not internet-based, like you can't deliver things to my house, it's going to be hard for you to succeed or even partner up with people that can deliver to my house. Whether that's food, whether that's shoes, whether that... In the last 48 hours, I've had golf clubs delivered to my house. I've had clothes delivered to my house. I've had face wash delivered to my house. And my home... I I work from home. (laughs) You know, 34-year-old, I'm just... You're coming to me. Like, the game has changed. Well, in football, it's very similar. That The way the NFL is set up now, economically, you've gone all in on the quarterback. Meaning, you've either paid them... 20 to $30 million, which is by far going to be the most amount of money you've allocated to one player on your cap. Or they're still on their rookie deal, but you've allocated a ton of draft resources. You've either traded up to get them, like Goff and Wentz. Hell, Mitch Trubisky, who, you know, had a hit or miss game, but I, I give him credit. He made throws when he had to make throws in that game on Sunday. They went from pick three to pick two, and they gave up stuff. So, and Deshaun Watson, Mahomes, those teams gave up first-round picks. Look at the Jets last year. They, w- they went from 6-3, to three, they gave up three second-round picks. So all these teams have allocated a ton of reasons. The, the uh, Arizona Cardinals, the Baltimore Ravens last year, the Buffalo Bills, they all traded up to get their quarterback. So you, you, you want to hire an offensive coach if you're given the opportunity. So I get it. Cliff Kingsbury, Matt LaFleur, Adam Gase, and I'll get to Adam Gase a little later. Later, I like Adam Gase. I actually, I think he's a pretty good coach. Uh, who who else am I missing here? Uh, Bruce Arians, offensive coach, but I mean, he's just a really good coach. The, the young guys, got you know, got a lot of jobs. <laughs> they, they, they got these opportunities. But if you look, uh, the, the, the general managers and Freddie Kitchens in Cleveland, if you're John Dorsey or you're Mike McCagnan or you're Steve Kime, now, I, I do think with Steve Kime, he's proven he can draft really well. He's hired a really good coach before when he hired Bruce Arians. To me, he's accomplished a little more than John Dorsey in the sense that he hired a coach. John Dorsey was hired by Andy Reid. Like, so, John Dorsey drafted good players, but I've been around Andy, and I know he said he doesn't, you know, it's not his job to be the general manager like it was in Philadelphia. He still plays a big role. Like, they, they weren't drafting guys in the first round if Andy didn't like them. And, and don't ever get it twisted. Patrick Mahomes on the team because of Andy. And Brett Veach played a big role. I'm not saying that John Dorsey didn't love him too, but I, I think John Dorsey, the hype's a little strong. But Mike McCagnan, to me, has proven nothing. Like, at least, I, I'll say this about Steve Kine. he He's resume, like, I, I wouldn't have fired him either. And I actually think when you look at Cliff Kingsbury, you have Josh Rosen. He's this unique, young, millennial that can really sling it, but he's going to need help. They're going to need to draft a lot better. Cliff Kingsbury was not coaching at Texas or Oklahoma. He didn't fail at a big program. He failed at Texas Tech, which I've never been to Lubbock, Texas, but I, you, doesn't, you don't need to go to Google to know it's in podunk nowhere. No one wins there except Mike Leach. Mike Leach just happens to be one of the most unique and better college football coaches we've seen in recent memory. Everyone else goes there and fail. Here's the other thing he did when he was at Texas Tech. He was he took their offense to another level, and he started producing pro quarterbacks. Like, the one thing you say about Mike Leach is, you know, he kind of gets these overachiever guys. He doesn't really work with pros. That wasn't the thing with Cliff Kingsbury. Here's the one thing I like about Cliff Kingsbury uh, also. Cliff Kingsbury looks like a male model. I mean, he's really good looking. Uh, and it came out this week. I think he's dating Holly Saunders of uh, works Fox Golf. But Cliff Kingsbury was raised by a Navy SEAL Green Beret. 
So if you're raised in that environment, like my dad was just in the army and I, I was raised in like a militaristic environment. It's very regimented. I can't Navy SEALs, like a whole different level. I've watched shows and talked to people that know Cliff Kingsbury is a grinder. Again, he looks like he's out partying and just chilling a nine to five or he works, I've heard, gets in there like not quite John Gruden hours, but he's burning, you know, the midnight oil grinding. So I do think that's going to translate. Now, there are a lot of other things like can he lead pros? I, I don't know. He's been a pro himself. He's been around pros. He knows a lot of high level people. I've never heard a bad thing said about him. I don't think that hire as is, is as crazy as people are making it out to be. That doesn't mean it's necessarily going to work, but I do get it. Like Matt LaFleur, I watched, I watched all these press conferences. And like I said, Freddie Kitchens hasn't talked yet as I'm recording, neither has Adam Gase. Matt LaFleur watching the press conference looked terrified. Looked like a guy that can't even believe he got that job. Now, the Green Bay Packers job is like the Yankees job or the Dallas Cowboys or the Lakers. I mean, it's one of the biggest jobs in all of sports. It's one of the more high-profile jobs in this country. The head coach for the Green Bay Packers. Like, I, I don't care where you go. You can walk into Augusta National, the, the country club. You can walk into the hood in LA. And if you introduce yourself as the Green Bay Packers head coach, people are going to talk to you and know who you are. I'm watching him talk. He looked petrified. Like, that looks like... Like, to me, Cliff Kingsbury is a swing for the fences, but I do know he can lead men, he can lead a program, he's been a pro before, he's a grinder, he knows offense. Like, this guy never led an offense, called plays this year for the first time, it did not go well, doesn't really have that great of a presence. The other thing that was evident at the Packers press conference, and if you're a Packer fan listening, you probably know this better than me, and I've gotten to learn this just following the league really closely this last year, is this role that Murphy is now playing. I mean, I, again, I watched all these press conferences. For example, Jason Light introduces Bruce, uh, Bruce I almost called him Bruce Irvin. Uh, he's Bruce Arians. He talks for like a minute, and then he hands it off to the head coach. Murphy talked for like 20 freaking minutes. Gave like the life story on this process, and about himself, and what they were thinking. It's like, Mark, no one wants to hear you talk, buddy. Let the head coach. I, I want to get to know this guy. As a fan, as a viewer, whatever. The ego in that room, you can tell it's about 90% him. And I'm just watching LaFleur going, this guy is going to be able to like strong arm Aaron Rodgers. Good luck. I'm betting against that one. Uh, the Freddie Kitchen one. I've said over and over, John Dorsey, good GM, can evaluate talent. Like Evaluating talent to me sometimes can be a little overrated. How do you manage people? How do you work with a head coach? Like Dorsey does have a questionable history with some of that stuff. Freddie Kitchens never called plays at any level, never been a head coach at any level before this year when he called plays when he was fired. I think that's a pretty big stretch, but he has worked with Baker. They did get along. He looked very credible while he was calling plays. But to think that he can be a good head coach, like John Dorsey now is in complete control of that organization. And unlike basketball, where the general manager can force you to play lineups and just force players on you, and baseball, where they just hand you the lineup card, I say it over and over, the GM can only do so much. In the sport of football, you are still so dependent on that head coach. He has so much control when the season starts. So even if you get full autonomy and get to run the draft and you tell the head coach what players you're going to pick, that's great. But then when the season starts, and that's when people really care. I mean, people love the draft. I love the draft. I've been in draft room. Draft's really cool. And it's awesome picking new players and signing players in free agency. But the thing people care about the most is when the games actually start. Like, can that guy play? And GMs have nothing to do with that. 
They don't tell you what routes to run. They don't tell you what defense to run. I mean, they could try to, but at the end of the day, you could do whatever you want. And you have to be able to do what you know how to do. So this isn't baseball where I tell you, you have to bring this guy in in the seventh inning against left-handers. Like, you, you can even force a guy to dress on game day. Let's say Dorsey has that. Like, Freddie Kitchens doesn't agree the guy should dress. Freddie Kitchens doesn't have to play him. And there's nothing he can do. So, I, I think that's a pretty big, that's, that's a strong swing. Now, having worked in the NFL, just because, like, you've never been a coordinator or been fired before, like, that doesn't, the league is so screwed up. I, I mean, look, like, Ryan Grigson interviewed with Mike Mayock, has no business interviewing for that job. Uh, even to be his right-hand guy. So it's just about who you know. So just because you're fired or hired or elevated, that doesn't determine. I mean, there are a lot of great coaches in football that coach high school. Like the best coaches, I mean, some of the best ones are, you know, work in the NFL. But just because you work in the NFL does not mean you're a great coach or a great scout or a great whatever. You work in any bit. Just because you work, you know, for, I don't know, a uh, uh, Hollywood production company doesn't mean you're great at making movies. You may just know a guy that gave you a job, and you maybe you're a middle manager, and you can just kind of float through. But to me, the Freddie Kitchens one, like there is tangible pressure on this guy because this roster is clearly pretty good, and it's not an easy job because Dorsey has, a, you know, again, the ego and self-belief that he's the man. You know, he views himself like a Daryl Morey, and I think a lot of these general managers throughout the NFL now view themselves like that. And I think there's a fine balance. The super smart ones... Like, I've been around Howie Roseman. He understands how important the coach is. And that's why I think the Eagles are crushing it. Because they have the perfect balance of, like, they're very, very, they take player personnel very seriously. They also understand how important it is to have the coach have unity with you. And, like, you're telling me Freddie Kitchens is going to question anything John Dorsey does? Or, hell, and again, I like the Cliff Kingsbury hire. At least I understand it. But Steve Kime is in complete control. And, like, again, I think Kime's good, but his coach isn't going to be able to really help him that much. Like, what do you think of this free agent defender? I don't know. I've never schemed against him, never seen him. Hell, I've never even heard of him. Like, think about the learning curve there. Like, when you hired some of these guys, like Adam Gase, when you hire Adam Gase and you go over free agency meetings, like, just that's basic protocol in the NFL. That'd be like, wherever, whatever you do for a job, it'd be the equivalent of, like, you know, every Monday in some companies you have sales meetings or you have conference calls every Thursday. It's just a basic protocol. Adam Gates is going to know the majority of free agents, good and bad, high price guy, low money guys. He's coached against them or seen them on film the last several years as a head coach. He can have dialogue and an opinion. Cliff Kingsbury will just not be able to have an opinion. Now, he can watch the guy and then create one, but there's a difference of having a running opinion. That's why you have such a big advantage when you've worked in the league forever. That's why Belichick runs circles around everyone. He's worked in the league for 40 years. There's literally not a player in the NFL that he hasn't scouted coming out of college. Not not a single one. There is not one guy in the NFL that Mike Tomlin, that Andy Reid, that Pete Carroll, that these guys have not seen, scouted, met uh, for you know however long they've been in the league and know everything about them. Strengths, weaknesses, everything. So there is a huge learning curve for a lot of these first-time head coaches. Like Matt LaFleur two years ago was a quarterback coach. And now all of a sudden he's a head coach. And guys have made that jump. And it's possible. But I saw a guy that was kind of swimming that looked like, damn, the moment looked a little big for him. You know, it's one thing to be like, when Luke Walton got the Lakers job, it was an enormous step for Luke Walton. But he had won championships as a right-hand man for Steve Kerr. 
You go Google Luke Walton's introductory press conference. He didn't look nervous. Now, he may turn out to not be a great coach. He's actually, I think, doing a pretty good job this year. But it's not because of the job's too much for him. It's just a hard job. Like, the job's already hard enough as it is. You know, it's, it's sometimes in life, like, I saw Bruce Arian say it today. And Vic Fangio said it today, too. Experience does still matter. And I think a lot of these guys, they went for some home run shots. And I never mind taking a swing for a home run in any you know aspect of life. Whether it be a hire, whether it be a purchase, whatever. Whether it be your dating life. But, man... Uh, LaFleur, I don't know. Freddie Kitchens, ugh, I, I just... Freddie Kitchens wasn't even the interim coach. When they fired Hugh Jackson, they made Greg Williams the interim coach. He wasn't good enough to be the interim coach. Man, it's, the league's crazy. And uh, these GMs are getting a lot more juice. And I'm telling you, a lot of them are going to find out you don't want that juice because you don't have the control. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. 
and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. To a couple coaches that, unlike these young, skinny, you know, Cliff Kingsbury, just great jaw lines, 32-inch waistlines. Freddie Kitchens is chubby, uh, but uh, what's the guy's name in Green Bay? LaFleur, another skinny guy. Gase, you know, was the originator before Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay, the skinny, unshaven dude in his mid-30s. But two older guys were hired. And listen, I I do think, I haven't seen the league, and I've only worked for one head coach. I've worked for two head coaches, one in college, one in in the pros. One was Pat Hill. And by the time I got to Fresno State was 2008. He'd been a head coach for 10-plus years. Before that, he had been an assistant for like 20. Worked for guys like Bill Belichick. You ever heard of him? So, like, when I got there, it was such a grown-up in the room. You know, I mean, the the admiration and I have for Coach Hill, but it was just because he was so good at his job. You know, I mean, just the ability to lead a, lead a team meeting, to lead a staff meeting. Like, when he sat at the head of the table, like, everyone perked up. Then I went to the NFL, saw the same thing with Andy. When they walked in the room, and at the time, when I was first around Andy, he was probably in his early 50s, And Coach Hill was in his mid-50s. But again, they had been coaching for like 30-plus years. Like, you felt their experience. Now, I got to know on both staffs the younger guys better because I was closer into age. We had more to talk about. Uh, But, like, I always believe, like, there's a presence to a head coach. You know it right when they walk in. I'm, I'm a big believer in that. Like, you feel a head coach. You meet a Harbaugh, you just know it. You meet Saban. I met Saban one time. I'm like 5'10". I, I probably got him by an inch. Uh, I, I met him actually one time with my cousin that played college football. And he went to introduce himself and just kind of went silent. And this guy, you know, my cousin's much tough. My cousin Kenny was, you know, probably 6'1". I mean, 250. Uh, he's lost a little weight lately. But just towered over Saban and just went silent. And Nick like looked at him. I mean, he said it was like the most intimidating experience of his life. And I was standing right there too. And I kind of got nervous. He just makes you nervous. There's a presence with all these guys. Pete Carroll, Mike Tomlin, Urban Meyer, Chris Peterson, David Shaw. That you either have it or you don't. And Bruce, Bruce Arians, when he walks in the room. The, Bruce is an outlier of this whole group. Because when he was a coach, a head coach. He was a top five borderline head coach in the NFL. Like the Arizona Cardinals were a powerhouse. The year he got there, he took a 5-11 and team and they won 10 games. They missed the playoffs because that was a year like the Niners were good and it was just hard to make the playoffs. And then they started going to the playoffs every year. And even the last year, and I always think this speaks, uh, the year that he retired, I know living in the Bay Area, just following the, the NFC West closely, it was like, oh, the Cardinals suck. They went 8-8. Eight and eight. Like, Bruce Arians is big time. The question is his health. You don't often hear, he got a physical. You ever been interviewed for a job and got a physical? 
and you're not a player in any business. That's not normal. You might take a drug test or something, but a physical? And they did the right thing. You got to give him a physical. I mean, he's in his late 60s and he's had health issues. Now it seems like they gave him the clean bill of health, a thumbs up. But, you know, there's a reason why insurance for me, you know, is 500 bucks. Insurance for people and companies that are 50, 60 plus, $3,500. You know, older people get sick. I mean, at a much higher rate than younger people. So, and the guy's been sick before. But no one would dispute one of the great true characters of the NFL and one of the great true coaches. You know, kind of a guy that was ahead of his time. I think he's very similar to Andy Reid. Now, they go about it differently. I mean, Bruce, a little more like me, swears every other word. But both of them are quarterback gurus. They believe in, they've been believing in passing, you know, for 20 years, well before it ever became sexy. And if he's healthy, that's a, that, that was an easy hire. That, that'll be the easiest hire he's ever made. And it also could, Jason Light, the general manager, save his number one overall pick from several years ago, Jameis Winston. Might be the only guy in the NFL from a personality standpoint that could save him is Bruce Arians. So they got lucky that he was even available. I don't like the Vic Fangio hire in the sense that I I just don't think he's meant to be a head coach. But I will say this, and watching him talk today, and right when I was watching NFL Live on ESPN and they cut right after it and Wendy Nix, and I had the same thought, and she said it. She's like, God, it's kind of refreshing to see a guy with just just a grown-up in the room. And just a guy that, you know, is not nervous at the mic. And I was thinking the same thing. Now, I don't know if Vic's going to be a good head coach. I struggle with, in 2019, now now granted, here's the thing. Like, Bruce Arians was the perfect hire because their, their most important player is Jameis Winston. For Vic Fangio, you know, and or John Elway, he does not have a quarterback. His most important player, and really players, is two of them, are pass rushers. And Vic said it today. Like, I'm not going to be coaching those positions now because I'm the head coach, but that's my area of expertise. And Vaughn was in the room, and he's like, he basically said this, and a young guy could not have said this for a guy that's won a Super Bowl MVP. But Vic Fangio, that's coached those Niners defenses that took Khalil Mack to another level this year, said it. And Vaughn even Instagrammed a little later about it. He said, I think Vaughn can play better. Matt LaFleur could not, Freddie Kitchens could not have said that. Cliff Kingsbury could not have said that. Vic not only said it, he didn't even flinch. He was dead serious. Vaughn, you can play better. So if you're Elway, you go, I got two elite pass rushers. I got one Hall of Famer and one guy that looks like he could be a Hall of Famer. I'm going all in. Everyone's zigged, I'm going to zag. Or I think as everyone's zagged, I'm going to zig. But you get what I'm saying. Especially in his division. Gruden, Andy, and Rivers, Lynn, slash Wizenhunt. Right? So it's an offensive division. I'm going defense. And I, I get it. I, I do understand it. But eventually, like for Denver to take a step, they are going to need a quarterback. And to get that quarterback, and they're going to need better offensive guys. Does it, Vic is not going to mince words when talking about players. You can do that with defense. You can MF you know, through the media. You actually aren't going to swear when you're doing a press conference. But you know what I mean? You can crush players on defense. They respond to that. Certain people, you know, on offense, some guys don't mind it, but most don't. Like, you can't crush wide receivers. You can't crush your quarterback. Because if you crush a quarterback, it's be the number one story on every sports station. Uh, you know, on potentially my show, on Colin's show, on any show. Because quarterbacks are the biggest player beside, like, a top five NBA player 
in all of sports. So that, that's what I question. Now, it is a unique situation with Gary Kubiak waiting for him. But I, I watching the press conference, I went, wow. Vic Fangio and, and Bruce Arians, too, they're, they're a dying breed of men. My generation's just kind of soft. Uh, you know, we weren't raised like the fan. That generation, there aren't as many of them. And as you see with these hires, they're kind of getting weeded out through the NFL for being head coaches. Like the toughness and a hardcore mentality to me will always work in football. I just question his understanding of offense. Not necessarily, he'll let Gary Kubiak do everything, but understanding the language that players speak in the sense that the way you have to treat them kind of with kid gloves. But I got it. Like watching him talk, watching him call out kind of Vaughn Miller, and he didn't call him out. He just, he made a statement that that a guy in his 40s 1,000% could not have made. But he not only made it with conviction, Vaughn probably shook his head like, this is awesome. Like this is, Vaughn should be, go to church on Sunday because that's the type of coach if you're Vaughn you want. Now, is it going to work? Time will tell they got to get a quarterback. But uh, it, it kind of resonated with me today watching Fangio. Like I, I could see where where Elway has played this position, uh, knows like they, they won a Super Bowl with a pretty veteran-laden team. This this young movement, if you get the right, can be a little overrated. Now, so can the experience. Just because you're experienced doesn't mean you're going to be a good head coach. But he had a strength, and he doubled down on it, right? I mean, I have a strength. I can just talk. I, I've always just, I used to get yelled at when I was young to shut up. And so I've made a career out of just talking. It's something that just came naturally to me. I don't try to like, I'm not a writer, you know. I, I'm not even great on TV. I'm not a very good looking guy. I got no hair. But I can just, you give me a mic, I can just talk. Uh, and especially when it comes to football. So I've gone all in on that. So, I, you know, I, I understand of Elway just pushing all his chips to the middle of the table with the strength that they had. They, they got two elite pass rushers, one's head to the Hall of Fame. Well, let's go get the best defensive coach on the market. And, and arguably, I mean, Parcells and Belichick have elite resumes, but one of the great all-time coaches for pass rushers uh, in Vic Fangio. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast is 
NBA DNA with Hannah Storm digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, let's, uh, let's dive into the actual games. You know, this is kind of a crazy time of year because... The last several years, you know, you've had six to eight openings that head coaching hires are just big topics. You know, I mean, it's just everyone's got an opinion and they're fun. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, there's nothing better than a football coaching hire because it's just then the assistant coaches come. It's it's awesome. I love talking about it. Uh, but the games do matter and they matter a lot. And you don't have to be a math major to realize we're coming down the home stretch of the season. Six games left for this weekend. Excuse me, seven. For this weekend, to the following weekend, then the Super Bowl. So, we don't have that much football left. I don't count the Pro Bowl. You know, this this is all she wrote. So, if you enjoy football, which if you're listening to this, you definitely do. If you like gambling, which if you're listening to this, you probably do. Uh, you only have so much stuff left to bet on. But these this weekend, arguably the best weekend, just given you got four games. You got four, I mean, Brady, Rivers, Mahomes, Breeze. Big Dick Nick. I mean, you just go through the list. It's just the cream of the crop. Uh, that'd be Nick Foles. And I, I think let's start, let's go game by game, and I'll just give you the couple things that come to my mind immediately. Okay, we'll start on Saturday afternoon. If you live on the East Coast, I guess it would be Saturday late afternoon, Saturday night, 4.30. 1.30 my time. We got the Chiefs versus the Colts. Uh, last, there's some history involved in this game. The last time the Chiefs, who have been a really good franchise over the last 25 years, the last time they won a home playoff game, they're 0-6 since 1993, a guy named Joe Montana was their quarterback. So there are some demons in this game. Now, not necessarily with Coach Reed, uh, but there kind of are, you know, since he's been a Chiefs head coach. 
They lost to the Colts, and I think statistically, number-wise, the biggest comeback in NFL history. The last time they hosted a playoff game, last year they lost to the Tennessee Titans in a pretty big upset. The year before that, that was the that was wild card weekend. Two years ago, they played the Steelers uh, in the second round when they had a home field bye and they lost. So, Andy has a long resume of winning playoff games. He's won a ton in Philadelphia. In Kansas City, he's only won one. Now, this, I think, this is the best quarterback he's ever had. I, I, I don't know if this is his best team. Some of those early Alex Smith teams were so well-rounded. They were really built for the playoffs. The problem was Alex. This t- Can you imagine if you put some Mahomes on some of those early teams? They'd win the Super Bowl. Uh, this, I do think Andy's going to win this game. I think they're going to you know, kind of shake the demons, get over the hump. But I'm very interested because last week you saw it. Defense does matter. And their defense is not very good. Now, their defensive line, they led the league in sacks. But say what you want, the Colts' offensive line has been fantastic this year. I don't think Luck's been touched in forever. So, can they pressure consistently against the Colts' elite offensive line? Uh, I I just think that Mahomes has been too good. Now, he's never played in a playoff game. Uh, This is the biggest game by a mile he's ever played in in his life. And, you know, it's supposed to snow. I was talking to a buddy on the Chiefs staff that said, you know, it might snow tomorrow, as in if you're listening to this today, Friday, and even a little Saturday morning, but by game time, it's going to be cold. It's still not an ideal thing to do if you're a quarterback to play in that environment. But I, I just think the Chiefs are too good. I think the chip on Andy's shoulder to just, you know, shake the demon somewhat uh, and shake this narrative that's kind of grown, like he can't win a big game. Did people watch him in Philadelphia? I mean, he's he's won the division now three straight years. He's been winning big games the last couple years. Now, in the playoffs, a different animal. Uh, but I, I think the Chiefs have no excuse not to win this. I also think when you look at the Colts, uh, they're a year ahead of schedule. Like, making the playoffs this year was gravy. Beating a division rival in the first round, gravy. Their quarterback is now healthy. Uh, their offensive line, the running backs look solid. Darius Leonard looks like a star. You know, there's still there's still several pieces away on defense to me from being a really dynamic team. They're just uberflus. The guy that Josh McDaniels hires has done a hell of a job. Uh, I, I think they lose this weekend. I think the Chiefs move on. And I think at the end of the day, the Colts had an incredible season. And the Chiefs just can't, you, you can't lose this game. You can't be the one seed. You can't have the quarterback be the MVP of the league and lose this game. I don't care if you win two to nothing or, you know, win a Rams-Chief game 54-51. to 51. You, you have to win this game. And ultimately, I think they're going to win this game. I actually like them to cover. The five and a half points is what I have them at right now. Dallas-LA. I've been riding Dallas. I, I think Dallas is built for this. They have... I, I was talking with a buddy today in the league. I, I said it at the time. And I know he was playing kind of shitty. And he just wasn't that into it. But I don't blame him. The, the Raiders were in shambles. I don't think people quite realize how big the Amari Cooper midseason trade was. Like, Amari Cooper, when he came out, was the number four overall pick. If he was in this draft, he'd be a top five pick. Amari Cooper's a stud. And yeah, he was having a bad year, you know, before he got here. Well, Derek wasn't playing that well. Gruden was off. They traded all the players. They were just in shambles. The guy's 24 years old. He's a stud. Last week, he had seven catches for 100 yards. He's a blue chipper. Zeke might be the best running back in the league, and that includes Todd Gurley. Like, Zeke... As he once, as he called Dak last week, he's a grown ass man. I, as I said on on the uh, earlier this week podcast, I like Dak more than most. I think he's like a poor man's Cam Newton meets Russell Wilson. 
There's something about him. The dude, I, 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 I trust him in these big games. Now, he's flawed. He doesn't have a great arm. He can be a little inaccurate on the deep ball. Uh, but I, I think they go to L.A. and win. I, they're, they're my favorite bet this weekend. I love them getting a touchdown on the road. I just think they're tougher. I think they're more physical. Jared Goff, if you Mahomes hasn't played in a big game. Goff's played in one, and that was last year's playoff game. He did not play well. He also did not play that well down the stretch because Gurley's been banged up. They're very dependent on Todd Gurley, just like Dak is dependent on Zeke. But Todd Gurley's not healthy right now. Uh, Cooper Cup's long gone. The defense is a shell of itself. That's the one thing about the Cowboys. They cover, and their linebackers make a lot of plays. The Rams' linebackers are not great. Marcus Peters has not played that well the second half of the season. Aqib Tlaib is just a guy now. So I, I, I just think the Cowboys are better. Now, I'd rather have Sean McVay for sure than Jason Garrett. But I, I've always been someone that was higher on Sean McVay than most. Or excuse me, higher on Jason Garrett than most. If he wins this game and he just won back-to-back playoff games, I think we got to kind of stop talking crap about Jason Garrett and making fun of him as the clapper. Uh, because it, th- this was a pretty impressive season once they got Amari. Like, they won the East... Uh, then they've won two playoff games. Again, I like them to win this weekend. I know Jerry said that they're comfortable going to L.A. They have training camp out there. Jerry's from Los Angeles. Not that that means anything for the players. But uh, the crowd's going to be interesting. I think it'll be at minimum 50-50. Hell, I don't even know how many Ram fans. I I think people watch the Rams in L.A., like quote-unquote Rams fans. There, I, I would bet my life there are more Cowboys fans in the greater Los Angeles area than there are Rams fans. Well, that, and that's the case for a lot of major cities. There's a lot of Cowboys fans. So I, I think they're, it's basically going to be a home field advantage for them. Uh, and I just like the Cowboys to win. Sunday morning game. This is a great Sunday morning game. I'm not in the business of betting against Brady and Belichick. I don't care if Brady's getting old. Uh, Belichick's, you know, kind of losing his fastball. Gronk's a shell of himself. Like, you bet against Brady and Belichick in Foxborough in January you're going to lose nine times out of ten. but And I think it's been a talking point all week long, so I'm not going to just rehash the same shit everyone else is saying because everyone knows this. The Chargers roster is better. But I really do think it's their time. I think they're going to go down. They're going to win this game, and they're going to go down as one of the great road teams of all time. They're 7-1 right now on the road. They beat the Chiefs. They've obviously beat the Steelers. I know the Steelers, at the time, the Steelers weren't that bad. Uh, and then to go on the road to Baltimore, and then to go on the road where they're only a four-point underdog. And that shows you, like, typically, I, I was telling someone this week, when's the last time that the New England Patriots, in the second round, they, they've had the bye for, like, the last eight years. They've been the one or the two seed. So they've always had the home game in this round. You know, I'm not talking about the next round. They've been on the road a couple times there. But they've always been the home team in this round for this kind of Gronk run. I'll call it the Gronk era. And I would say at minimum, typically they've played Houston several times. They played the Tebow team the one time. They played Tennessee last year. They have been close to like a double-digit favorite in most of these games. Like 10 to 14 points. This is easily their toughest competition in this round. Not even close. And there is a lot of pressure on Rivers. You know, he's got to play well. But I think the I think the Chargers, I want to call them the San Diego Chargers, are just equipped for the playoffs. They have an elite pass rush. They have, I, I wouldn't call him an elite player, but a damn good running back. A Hall of Fame level quarterback. Multiple wide receivers 
whose games translate to AFC playoff football, meaning they can play in cold games, in weather games, because they don't, they're not dependent on speed. Like Anquan Bolden and Larry Fitzgerald were elite playoff players. Why? Now, Larry did a lot of his work indoors, but you could throw Larry in a snow game and he'd ball. Anquan, I saw it with the 49ers when they traded for him and obviously with the Ravens. I think Steve Smith was like this too. Anquan was better just because he was bigger, physical, not dependent on speed. So it doesn't matter what the turf is like or the field. Snowing, rain, sleet, whatever. Throw me the ball, I'll make contested catches. Keenan Allen and Mike Williams are like that. Antonio Gates runs like a 5-5-40 right now. Who cares? He doesn't even need to get open to get catches. Uh, So again, don't get me wrong. I am not in the business of betting against Belichick and Brady. I'm not even trying to be a contrarian on this one. I, I just, I believe in this Charger team. I think they're built to win this game. And I think this is just, you know, one of those seasons where, I you know, things went against New England. Gronk fell off a cliff. Edelman wasn't the same guy. Brady got old fast. You know, you just sometimes, your first round pick, your first round offensive tackle tears Achilles. So you have to kind of shuffle your offensive line. You know, you're bound, you're not going to make the Super Bowl every year. They've been on the greatest run, you know, probably in NFL history. Let's call it what it is when you factor in free agency and the way the sport is set up now. So they're bound to have a quote-unquote off year. And if that means 11-5 and and losing in the second round of the playoffs to a damn good Charger team that went 12-4, and like, tip your hat. You know, I, I don't even think it would be that bad of a loss. Now, if they got blown out, that would probably be a problem. But I, I think at the end of the day, Chargers are just really good. They got a ton of just all-star level players. Or as you call it in football, as we call it in football, pro bowlers, right? Like, I'm not saying guys that get into the pro bowl once there's an injury. I'm talking about first ballot Bosa, Ingram, Derwin James, Melvin Gordon, Keenan Allen, like blue chippers. So, I, I like Chargers to win this weekend. Just because from a football standpoint, not... I'm not betting against Belichick. and It's not even I'm betting against Belichick and Brady. I, I just think they run in. This has just been a season where they're just not that good. And I, I am somewhat betting against Brady. I think he's a little old, you know? And I think it's kind of catching up to him. I've seen him do a couple things this season. And I've been watching Brady pretty closely for especially the last 10 years. Like in the peak of his powers. When he became the Michael Jordan of football. He was a surgeon in big moments. In certain situations. And I've seen him this year at the end of a half screw up a, a a down, you know, like take a sack where they don't get a field goal out of it. I've seen him throw red zone turnovers that he just, I mean, uncharacteristic doesn't even do it justice. Like Tom Brady did that? No. And that's what he's been, something's been off about him this year. He's 41, you know. It's, it's incredible he's even been as good as he's been. I know he made the Pro Bowl. He wasn't deserving. Uh you know, Luck should have got in over him. Luck had a better season. And then the last game. Uh, I, I think our man Nick Foles, the football gods have carried him now. He's 4-1 in the playoffs. I mean, his, he's lost one game that first year with Chip when they lost to uh, New Orleans in the first round. But these last last year, you know, when he went 3-0, and he won the first round against Atlanta, the NFC Championship against Minnesota, and then the historic Super Bowl MVP. And then last week, you know, he was hit or miss, but when it mattered the most, he looked like Joe Montana. Their defense plays well. I do think they're running into somewhat of a buzzsaw. I think no team, even the Chiefs, has less of an excuse not to be representing in the Super Bowl than the New Orleans Saints. 
They had the best home field advantage left in the playoffs, and that includes Kansas City. Just because of that dome, how loud it's going to be, uh, how good they are in that dome, how they don't really have playoff demons like the Chiefs. Like, they should win this game. They're a huge favorite. They're playing a six seed on their backup quarterback. I know the guy just won the Super Bowl, but, I mean, come on. Uh, and their team is just really good. It's just that simple. I mean, they have a Hall of Fame quarterback. It's weird to say in the peak of his powers, he's 38 years old, but Jesus Christ, Drew Brees is awesome. Alvin Kamara, I mean, you text, I text around buddies in the league. I say you text. I mean, it's hard to text people in the league if you don't know anyone in the league. But I, I text people in the league, and they just, they think Alvin Kamara, <clears throat> I mean, who doesn't, is just the real deal. I mean, he's, he's beyond special. Mark Ingram's a stud. Uh, Michael Thomas, all pro level season. And defensively, they do enough to get by. You know, I, their pass rush is solid. Their defensive backs can be a little hit or miss. But it's just, it's hard to play offense in that environment. So at the end of the day, I think Sean Payton, that win last week for the Eagles was incredible. Like, they don't need to win this game. If they're if it's like a tie game at halftime, honestly, if they, if they are in the game going into the second half, that is just an incredible accomplishment for Doug Peterson and Nick Foles. Just an incredible accomplishment because it's, I think it's eight and a half points. I, I probably wouldn't bet on this game because I'm not betting against the football gods and Nick Foles, but they got no business to lose by or, you know, to keep this game within a couple touchdowns. And the Saints, I, I think the Saints win this game. And the Eagles had a hell of a season, showed the championship moxie, championship blood, and that Chicago game, I mean, might go down as the best game of this entire playoffs, but... Uh, that's, that's a pretty good Sunday afternoon game. So I like, I like the chiefs. I like the Cowboys in an upset. I like the chargers in an upset though. I, I know it is an upset because of the Patriots, but if the game was on a neutral field, I, I think it'd be a coin flip. So I don't think it's that crazy of an upset. And then, then I like the saints pretty big against the Eagles. When you drive a vehicle so reliable, it's backed by a 10 year, 100,000 mile limited warranty. You stop thinking about what you can't do start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of Challenge Champion. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleha Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, before we get in the Middlecoff mailbag, I'm, I'm just going to touch on this, because I've talked about this topic a lot, so I'm not going to you know, rehash the same things over and over. But Susan Slusser, you know, big win here for uh, the local newspapers and the Chronicles hanging on for dear life. Uh, that'd be the San Francisco Chronicle. She's, you know, she's an old school journalist, you know, that just continues to break stories. She covers the A's. She broke a story. I guess it would have been what I'm recording this. It would have been Wednesday night. And that Kyler Murray, that the A's, she, she's tied with Billy and Dave Forrest, the GM, and she knows the A's very well. They expect him to go pro and not play baseball. And I said it a while ago, the numbers didn't add up. Once he was, it was clear he was going to be a top NFL pick. And I texted a lot of people over the last 24 hours. And I asked, is he going to be a first round pick? And everyone responded, yes. And then I asked, like, at quarterback? or I asked at wide receiver. And I didn't ask at wide receiver because I don't think he can play quarterback. Like Lamar Jackson, like when Bill Polian said that in Twitter, went into a tizzy and the PC bros, like Lamar Jackson can't throw. If you put him in the Pacific Ocean on a boat, he could not hit water. He's an inaccurate quarterback, highly inaccurate quarterback. Cannot complete passes. You saw it in the playoff game. You saw it all season. He's a glorified running back. Kyler Murray, he has one negative. It's he's a, he's a midget. He's Five eight and a half, five nine. He's very small, and like I, I, you go through the history of the NFL. First off, there's never been a five nine quarterback draft in the first round. Six foot quarterbacks. Baker Mayfield is an all time outlier to go that high. They typically go second, third round if they're elite. 
People forget Russell Wilson, who was 5'10", weighed like 225 pounds. I think coming out of college, he was 215. He was built like a tank. Kyler Murray might be 175 pounds dripping wet. But as a quarterback, he's accurate. He has great instincts as a passer. His athleticism speaks for itself. So to me, him and Lamar Jackson, they don't have that many parallels in the sense one guy can pass, one guy can't. So I asked as a wide receiver, and everyone said no as a quarterback. And a lot of people freaked out. Like, oh, we did the same thing with Lamar Jackson. Yeah, we did it with Lamar Jackson because he can't pass. With Kyler, it's just, can he play quarterback because he's tiny? And he's going to get a shot. And it's a big reason because of the influx of all the college offenses. Uh, I'll be fascinated to see when he weighs in and gets his height at the Combine. Uh, Again, as of right now, he hasn't officially said he's going to go to the Combine. I think he ends up at the Combine. I would recommend, you don't have to throw, like throwing is an attribute he has, but I would run. I would do all the athletic testing because that's really, you know, if you're like a, you know, I'm trying to think of an analogy. If you're interviewing for a job and you are the greatest typer of all time, wouldn't you want to, and you're going to be working on a computer for some company, wouldn't you want them to see you type just so they could be like, oh my God, like I want, I want to hire that. You know, if you could type, I don't even know what a lot of words a minute is, but whatever that number and times it by, like you're the fastest typer in the world. Like if you're Kyler Murray and you're, he runs, I would guess just eyeballing and watching him play. He's probably a high four, three guy. Like maybe run like a four, three, five. He would haul ass. If you run fast, run. If you're slow, I get avoiding it. It's why Keenan Allen avoided it. It's why, uh, you know, Michael Crabtree avoided it. Now, at quarterback, it doesn't matter as much, but he's if you're a 5'9 quarterback, you better be fast. Well, he is fast. You know, last year it made no sense when Lamar Jackson didn't run. He let Twitter dictate his thoughts. You know, you are a quarterback, do not run. Well, did you guys watch Lamar play? He's a running back. Why wouldn't you just run? Maybe he would have gone 10 spots higher. I said it, I said, I've been saying it for the last six months. Twitter cost Lamar Jackson money because they got in his head social media and made him think, you got to play quarterback. And yeah, play quarterback, but run! Like, if you're fast, run. You know? There's no reason not to run if you can move fast. Even if you play quarterback. So I hope when Kyler Murray, if he goes to Combine, he, he I don't care if he throws or not, I've already seen him throw, he's an awesome thrower. But run. And I do think the height, like, if he's 5'8 and a half, if that's what he measures in that when they take his shoes off, the conversation is going to be pretty polarizing. If he's 5'9 and a half, maybe he's just an all-time outlier. But I do know this. When you start drafting a bunch bunch of outliers, like eventually you don't get a Russell Wilson or a Drew Brees. And I'm saying this is someone that I don't like Kyler Murray. I love Kyler Murray. But I do get nervous with outliers. Like I I like my quarterbacks to look like Andrew Luck or Phillip Rivers. You know, I, I like my defensive ends to not be six feet, to look like Khalil Mack, you know? To, to look like, you know, I like my defensive lineman to look like Fletcher Cox. I, you draft a bunch of Aaron Donalds, most of them aren't going to be able to play. You, but Geno Atkins, yeah, he's he's an outlier, you know? So we're getting into this, a lot of people that talk a big game, especially on social media, about like small guys can play, have never been to a, been to an NFL practice. Like, did you see the size of the players in the national championship game? Go to a 49ers practice. Go to a Philadelphia Eagles practice. And just see the size of these humans. Ain't many midgets walking through that door. In football, relative to like basketball, short guys. There are a lot of guys 6'1", 6'2", 6'3". 
but they are not small. You know, this this think that like it's a no brainer. It's not like it is a conversation. And again, I like Kyler Murray a lot, but if he measures in at really small, short, and he's going to measure in at not very tall, like they're eventually like these outliers. Eventually, you're going to run into something. Now, the rules have helped smaller guys and just quarterbacks in general. The stats are inflated. It's easier than ever to play the position. There are clearly an influx of offensive coaches, just head coaches in general. Uh, so it's never been easier to play quarterback. And I do think people, coaches at least, would be more inclined to implement schemes that guys in college had success with where 10, 20, 30 years, that wasn't gonna, you were going to have to do what they did. That's not necessarily the case anymore. But again, a 5'9", 175-pound guy, I don't care if he runs a 3040. It's going to be difficult. There are going to be big-time challenges to play the position. That being said, he might just be that special that, that he can do it. I'm fascinated to see. Uh, I, I also think that he'll always have to fall back on that he could play other positions. And just right off the bat, like if he goes in the first round, that means he's going to be starting year one. And it was an easy decision. Like You ain't going to ride a bus. You're not going to go play in, what, podunk, middle of nowhere, Texas, in New Mexico, in front of 100 people, you know, while they have, like, beer chugging contests in the fourth inning. You ain't going to do that when you can be the starting quarterback for, I don't know, the New York Giants, you know? (laughs) What would you rather do? Be the starting quarterback for the Miami Dolphins or play for the Oakland A's rookie, you know, fall ball team in North Dakota? Uh, I got an answer for you. It's called the Miami Dolphins. So there really wasn't a decision here once it was pretty clear that the league was probably going to give him a shot to play quarterback. And he was going to go pretty high. And the quarterback class, beside Haskins, is not very good. Actually, the Duke guy's pretty good, too, I heard. But it, this, this was a no-brainer. Not even factoring in the money. And this notion that everyone in baseball gets paid is just not true. You know, I heard Gottlieb say it today, Aaron Judge is making $600,000. He's been in the, the show now for like three years. And that's after playing in the minors for a while. Like, there is a process. Bryce Harper spent two years in the minors. Even if you're a generation, Buster Posey spent time in the minors. Lincecum, who is arguably one of the great, and I repeat, great minor league pitchers. He flew through the system. Still spent a year in the minors. And he's an all, won the Cy Young his first year as a starter. More than likely, even if Kyler Murray was to make the show, it would probably take him three years in the minor leagues. That's three years of riding buses. Easy answer. No thanks. Okay, let's uh, let's dive into the Middlecoff mailbag. Slide up in my DMs, at John Middlecoff. Easiest way to do it, and I'll answer your questions. I had a question that I accidentally deleted. I was looking at a couple days ago. Uh, and I couldn't... Then I, I, I must have deleted it because I couldn't find it after I saw it. And then basically the question was... Eli Manning has two Super Bowls, but it feels like the media and fans just shit on him constantly. Why Why is that? And I, I do think it's because he just hasn't played very well the last two or three years. He can't move. That uh, They have, I mean, uh, the premier skill, one of them, a top three or four receiver in the league. Ingram's a stud. This year they had Barkley, and he just wasn't very good. Now their offensive line's been terrible, but partly is because of him. He, he just can't move. So I... His high highs were incredible. Like that game he had against the Niners in 2011 on the road in the rain was legendary. You know, he beat the Packers before on the road in a cold game in Green Bay. But 
I, I do think he's been below average the last couple of years. And, you know, I, I don't blame him for not doing this because he makes so much money, but no one, everyone would understand if he just retired. Like, his game probably warrants just, just retiring. But, again, I, I wouldn't pass up $20 million either. Uh, do you think the Packers' title window is firmly shut, or do you think under a new head coach that Aaron can make a deep push in the playoffs? Good question. Uh, as, I, as I said earlier, I, I just don't like the head coach. I think he's beyond over his head. He looks scared. You know, he doesn't have much presence. I don't know how he's going to, you know, be able to just command and force Aaron to do what he wants him to do. Now, I, I do think their roster is better than people give it credit for. Their defense was solid this year. Petten's staying on. You know, Devontae's a top six or seven wide receiver. Their offensive line's good. Obviously, they have Aaron. But the division's a problem. I mean, the Bears are not going away. Uh, the Minnesota Vikings roster is still going to be really good next year. Lions suck. <laughs> but, uh, well, at least their head coach sucks. I actually don't think their roster is bad. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think the window's relatively shut just because I got no faith that Matt LaFleur is is going to lead this team to the playoffs. Now, again, if Aaron, if Aaron can start playing like an MVP again, that they'll, they'll be in the playoff mix. I, I just don't know. I'm not going to bet against Aaron Rodgers. I'm just betting against Matt LaFleur. Big-time Vikings fan, and I don't love the direction of the team. What are the chances Kirk Cousins gets signed after his three years? If not, when do they start looking for a quarterback in the draft? Good question. Uh, the direction, I mean, the direction, the roster is the roster, and the roster is excellent. To me, it's on Mike Zimmer to understand, like, the league's changed, man. You know, the, you can't force a square peg into a round hole. You pay a lot for this quarterback. I've heard Dilfer talk about it before, that if you look statistically at Kirk Cousins' career, he does his best work on early downs. Forcing him into third and long is not his strong suit. He's not Phillip Rivers, Tom Brady, or Andrew Luck. But if you give him first and 10, let him throw the ball, you got two elite receivers. I still think their roster, they, they could easily be a playoff team next year. And when it comes to looking for a quarterback in the draft, you know, you're all in right now. You spend that much money, you're not even thinking about it. You wouldn't even entertain that thought till after next year. So it wouldn't even come up till next year. And yeah, I mean, he would, he had a good statistical season. I mean, I know he kind of gets crushed and he wouldn't be the first guy to want in a big moment. But he's better than you think. And I think at the end of the day that next year will kind of define his career. If they miss the playoffs again with this roster, Thielen, Diggs, Dalvin Cook, you know, all those defensive guys for the most part are still under contract. Besides, I think like Anthony Barr, uh, they have several draft picks. I'm sure they're going to take offensive linemen. That if he misses the playoffs next year, he'll just be a kind of a laughing stock. Not a laughing stock because he'd still be solid, but... I mean, it's he's got pressure on him. It's playoffs or bust next year. Or you could argue that if he misses the playoffs next year, and part of it's like him and big games not playing that well, you could argue it's an all-time just bad contract. Not that he's like Albert Hainsworth or anything, but given why they signed him and how much guaranteed money they gave him. Every penny on the deal is guaranteed. Which, uh, pro-capitalism here, I, I, I'm glad he did it. Like, I nothing but respect for fighting for that, you should. Like, he had leverage. But he, he's got to, you know, piss or get off the pot. Hey, John, uh, I know you likely won't address this on the show, but how bad is the Bengals' job? I'm a Cincinnati native and have been waiting to see Marvin fired for years. We have a ton of talent everywhere and should never have been this bad defensively. Who do you see as hiring, offensive mind or defensive guy? 
Well, as I was recording the end of this, I saw on Twitter that Schefter or Mortensen reported that Press Taylor, I think he's a quarterback coach, might be the offensive coordinator. Uh, you know, he's a McVay guy. That's all that matters. He's friends with the McVay. He could be McVay's. I'm shocked McVay's girlfriend didn't get a job. That he's McVay's guy. So they're going offense, which, you know, it's kind of the trend. I mean, every offensive guy was hired. This guy's 35 years old. Remember, he used to play quarterback a long, you know, 15 years ago at, at Nebraska. Been working in the NFL for a while. Uh, to me, they have they do have a lot of talent on their roster. To me, you got to get off the Andy Dalton train. Like, just time to move on. Uh, but that's, I think people would take, took Marvin Lewis a little bit for granted, how hard that job was, how tough it is working for that owner. Uh, now they do acquire a lot of talent. They are good at that. Like they do scout really well. That's like, that's the difference between them and the Raiders. Both are really cheap and you know, it's a mom and pop shop and they, they always struggled for, you know, market share and stuff. But man, the Bengals over the last 15 years, think of all the studs they've drafted they, they've done a hell of a job drafting you know it's just they just haven't been able to get over the top you know in the playoffs and one of it was a little unlucky the year Carson Palmer got hurt but the, the last four or five years I thought the year that Andy Dalton broke his thumb or tore his thumb or whatever that injury was that was the year they got Hugh Jackson the job in Cleveland I thought they were poised to make a legit run remember AJ McCarron lost the wild card game obviously you do if you're asking the question because you're a Bengals fan but I thought that team was really good and kind of unlucky. I mean, A.J. McCarron stinks. So, yeah, you got to start A.J. McCarron in a playoff game. Were they playing the Steelers? Either the Steelers or the Ravens. I'm pretty sure it was, was the Jets. I can't, I can't even remember. It might have been a team in their division. It might have been the Steelers. might have been the – I can't even – yeah. Steelers maybe? They uh, – yeah. So, Press Taylor, I, I honestly don't know much about him. Just beside he's a McVay guy. If you're a McVay guy, you get a, you know, I, I should tweet out right now, I know Sean McVay. Because every, a lot of people are being sarcastic and making fun of it, but it really is that true. Like, you know Sean McVay, you're getting hired. Press Taylor. So, I I can't say I hate it or not like it. I know nothing about Press Taylor. Honest to God. Know nothing about him. So, I guess it gives Cincinnati a chance because they've had a defensive head coach for, what, the last 15 years. But, appreciate everyone listening and... uh See you next week. Enjoy the games this weekend. Again, I like Dallas. I like the Chiefs. I like the Chargers. I don't like betting against uh, Nick Foles, but I'm going Saints. Uh, Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the games. See you next week. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. 
old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts